You are listening to That's It, That's All with Sean Gamatato. So where do we start? Much of the political attention of Americans has been on the recent win by Joe Biden in the U.S. presidential election. Despite continued challenges all over the country by President Donald Trump, which could result in major election reform over the next couple of years, the Electoral College completed what has been an historic vote for the American electorate. There are some actions as of late which could impact that decision. While the U.S. decision saw record voter turnout in what was more of a vote against the re-election of the 45th president, in my backyard, we saw the lowest voter turnout in the history of Guam elections. The U.S. territories traditionally have seen greater participation in elections than our U.S. mainland counterparts. On Super Tuesday 2020 and the runoff to follow for our congressional delegate seat two weeks later, I constantly brought up this fact and wondered out loud if we were witnessing a trend that started about 20 years ago. Some backstory. The 2000 elections on Guam, which also was a midterm, drew up many red flags on this issue. Voter participation hit a meteoric rise following the 1998 elections, where 48,666 Guam residents hit the polls. Just That's just over 30% of the island population at the time. In 2000, those numbers slipped, and the turnout slipping to the recent general election was a paltry 52% voter turnout. While many can say that the pandemic had plenty to do with turnout, I believe that it will take at least a year or beyond the next cycle to analyze what happened. And will we ever see the kinds of participation numbers this American community has become used to? Citizens here take the vote very seriously, or at least I thought. I use this bit of history and talk on turnout to set up my take on the most significant change we will see here in the Western Pacific, and that is the makeup of the Guam legislature. The 36th Guam legislature is as close to a change as many could ask for following the 2004 switch of the 28th to a Republican majority and subsequent loss two years later of which Democrats have yet to relinquish their hold on running the legislative branch of the government of Guam. 14 years and a Democratic governor midway to her term, so what does that mean for the next two years? Well, there may be more work across the aisle that we may have seen before, considering the relationship that Governor Lou Leon Guerrero has had with the new members, called new old members of the legislature, gaps will need to be filled if Adeloupe hopes to hang on to the executive branch beyond 2022. Leadership positions were very hush-hush going into the end of 2019, and I may need to revisit this issue in the coming episodes. But if it were up to me, I would like to see a couple of changes that I think can not only push the island forward into meaningful public policy, but create a narrative, a real decent post-pandemic narrative that is not as stale as the past three election cycles. Well, first, the speakership needs to move away from Tina Barnes and over to Therese Terlahi. Now, the Democratic Democratic Caucus effort to give Terlahi plenty and watch her fail never really materialized over the last couple of years. While she and her mediocre staff during uh, kind of drugged their feet on judicial appointments in that time, and then huge losses in public health resources at the front of the pandemic, when all of the, of the dust settled, she surprisingly 
led the way on every major policy initiative that her colleagues thought was bad in the latter half of the legislative term. Now, you can credit Speaker Barnes for carrying the water for Governor Leon Guerrero on many occasions in this time, but it doesn't seem to be enough considering these changing times and the changes on the other side of the legislative aisle. Now, the times are setting up with a new group of seasoned GOP lawmakers into the Guam legislature, which could mean a more dramatic fall from grace than what Speaker Barnes experienced back in 2016. Passing the torch and concentrating on her core legislative priorities may prove to lengthen and perhaps strengthen her political clout today in Guam. Barnes can still lead, and there's no question about that. And she will need to do so in these coming days with a GOP group that's led by current Senator Mary Torres. Now, I say this because the incumbent will need to whip the old comers in a more collegial way, as these folks are, well, they're not the same bunch that got buried in the dialogue over the last four years. I, for one, will watch with interest the interaction with Torres and Joanne Brown. Now, together, the Republican 7 can really push a pro-economy agenda in the face of a pandemic. Uh, And what we're seeing is, what we hope to see, is this kind of thing all left behind us and get some good things out of it. But they need to, uh, well, I will say that they let out a bit of their plan this past week um, about what they plan to do, the GOP. And then a release by Senator like Brown not too far after kind of said otherwise. So I wasn't really sure if she was really involved. And she needs to be involved. And for many reasons... It seems in response, Governor Leon Guerrero then rolled out her plans to set up an economic diversification working group. We're talking 10 months after the pandemic. Well, I guess timing is everything. So what does all of this mean? Well, we're going to take a time out and we'll have more after this short break. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. Okay, so let me just kind of uh, just... Think about this for a second. 8-7, that's where we're looking at over the next two years. And for Guam, it's been a really been a long time since there was some kind of 8-7 uh, split in the Guam legislature. And so uh, uh, for me, I'm really excited about what that would bring. You know, I'm, I'm really happy that uh, folks like uh, Joanne Brown got back in. Um, they complement the effort of Teletitigui and Torres that are in now. But adding Chris Duenas, uh, Tony Atta, uh, and then Frank Bloss Jr., I think it's really going to say much to the community about the kind of opposition that they're going to bring to the Democratic majority. Now, that's not saying that they uh, aren't going to try to uh, be very collegial, we're going to work across the aisle. I think that's going to happen. Uh, and in no question that this, that's really going to be the case. But when we think about the majority and in what they have done, I mean, yes, they passed uh, the weed law. They were able to get some uh, uh, pre-pandemic uh, gains in a, in a couple of different areas. They, they're really horrible in terms of the budget. I, 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 I shouldn't say horrible because they, they did pass a balanced budget. Uh, the governor's office was absolutely livid that they uh, passed the budget like that. Even the other branch of government, the judiciary, took a major hit, probably the, the worst hit that they've seen in perhaps seven, eight years. So um, 
they're just, just, just a kind of fumbling with the budget um, really is going to kind of say what's going to happen over the next two years. And so when we look at it, how does she, the, the governor, how's the current governor going to work with this new legislature? And I, I mean, it's going to be, uh, the, the jury's going to be still out, especially in considering the leadership hasn't even been selected yet. So what can we expect? Well, we can expect a little bit of antagonism um, from a couple of the members of the minority. Um, but I think the community is kind of like waiting and hoping that they're going to do something about, well, the economy. Now, uh, there's been economists who've said uh, that well, we cannot expect a rebound in the territory till somewhere around 2023. We've seen, I think it was the uh, the World Bank uh, came up with some numbers about our, the, about the tourism economy in the Pacific, that that won't come back till 2024. So there's a lot of uh, moving parts relative to the economy. And what, what would that response be? Now, I got to tell you, I was really irritated listening to folks saying, well, we got to help the governor spend federal money. And now I'll just tell you folks that, you know, when it comes to the federal use of uh, monies in the territories, well, the governor of Guam really has way more say in how that's spent. And we're not talking about what's happening inside the fence. So the With Anderson Air Force Base and Naval Base Guam, we're not talking about that. We're talking about what, how will federal dollars be used uh, in the general community? And uh, good luck to that. I, I mean, I really, I think when you have revenues down because of uh, tourism, you have revenues down because of lack of receipts. So the economy really is going to have to be first and foremost the attention of, uh, of the lawmaking branch of the government of Guam. So if it happens, great. Um, again, I mean, we'll, this podcast is going to take a really hard look at those issues uh, moving forward. But I'm, I'm going to be concerned of how they all play uh, together in the sandbox um, come uh, well, at least starting January 4th. Now, uh, when we think about the, the speakership, um, obviously the Democrats uh, have a big decision to make. And uh, yes, um, Speaker uh, Barnes did carry the water. Yes, she was there and she tried to make meaningful changes on, on some things that uh, she fumbled when she was a lawmaker uh, prior to getting reelected. But uh, it really, when we think of leadership, it, it, it really, it, it, if they pass the torch off to Therese Trelahi, in my opinion, give her a chance to, to, to do this job. Um, she needs the chance to, well, one, change her staff because they just, they're just not that good. And, and I say that with a lot of respect in my years uh, in not only covering the Guam legislature, but uh, in my 10 years of government service, I just have never seen a staff that just not really taking the, the interests of the, uh, the senator, um, I guess, to heart. So if you can give her a better staff, um, using her, her brain power, she's actually very bright, very sharp on a whole bunch of issues. And she knocked it out of the park, at least on the GMH side. I mean, she had plenty of help uh, to kind of go around. But if there's a change in the leadership, um, at the end, at the end, what what happens is we'll see maybe uh, better policy. Uh, she, I think she might be a better um, in terms of keeping, uh, you know, the the agenda moving forward uh, a little bit more. Uh, better, you know, time would be better spent on more positive legislation. I think she'll work with whoever the next legislative secretary is to ensure that that is the case. I really look forward to how that all plays out. Um, and and then when we think about the, the, the uh, Republican side of the House, um, again, I, I'm very keen on 
and in hoping that you know Mary Torres would have more of a leadership position. Now, I say this because for the last two cycles, or at least the last two uh, legislatures, she really is kind of like an outcast, and many Republicans um, in the community have uh, even wondered why she well one why she even takes that kind of abuse. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, short sightedness of uh, of uh, the members of the minority, but. In order for uh, things to happen, I think they should put some pressure on her. You know, let her lead. At least let her try. Um, if she can whip up the votes, if she can, she can ensure that the meaningful public policy is created. Then hey, uh, then you know all of those things that she did in the past, voting with Democrats on on a bunch of different issues, trying to stand alone, not getting the support of Republicans. Many Republicans not very happy with uh, with the way that she was doing her business. Um, then maybe that'll turn things around. Um, I, I am excited for uh, Joanne Brown being in the legislature. I am excited for Tony Atta being in the legislature. I am excited for Frank Bloss Jr. being in the legislature. Um, and to, to some extent, Chris Duenas as well. I, I think that there's many in the community who, who just need to see or want to see that check on the power that's being done or power that's being exerted at Adeloup. I mean, for me, at times, I, I think of it more of a from a mere pure sense. I think you just got to do a better job of public policy. I mean, my my wallet is um is hurting, my pocketbook is hurting, and what are they going to do to change that trajectory of what that policymaking branch is going to do? I mean, there was a lot of criticism, especially in the last half of uh, of this term, and you know they want to say, oh, it's kind of COVID related, but. I mean, for all of the pontification on the radio, on TV, uh, where you could see it, uh, in the print, uh, where you could, oh, they kept saying, oh, we're working, we're working. Well, man, YouTube doesn't lie. I mean, you can go back and see how many sessions they had between March and uh, when the budget passed uh, just around the September time frame. So when you think about that, uh, it doesn't always line up. Uh, for me, I want to see change, and I want to see uh, more meaningful public policy. Uh, they, you know, monkeying around with what the executive branch can do, the creation of task force, the, the creation of these groups, working groups. Honestly, that's the best way to just torpedo good ideas. I, I don't think anyone in this community would disagree. I think they would agree and say, hey, listen, we got to do something about this. We have to do something to help turn around what is the image of the Guam legislature. You know, I can think back to the days of former Speaker Tony Ampinko. He was um, considered by many uh, one of the great leaders of the Micronesian, I could call them the Micronesian leaders. He, he, was, he was fantastic. Uh, this one of the speakers, the longest running speakers. And we've had some great speakers, don't get me wrong. Joada, Carl Gutierrez, who, by the way, uh, those two became uh, governors. Uh, you know, Paul Calvo uh, as well. But when Tony Ampinko was speaker, they kind of had everybody kind of lined up. And that's the kind of leadership that we're looking for. And for most contemporary uh, Republicans or contemporary um, political pundits and commentators will agree that, that it's been a long time since the uh, communities enjoyed such um, leadership. And we need to kind of revert to that. And we're going to talk more about the Republicans um, on, on the flip side of this break. Again, you're listening to That's It, That's All with Sean Gumatato. This is the That's It, That's All podcast. Okay. So coming back, um, I'm a more of a 
let me just spend time talking about Republicans for a second because I think I have a little bit of experience with that. And I, I, I want to spend just a moment to talk about the idea that uh, getting Mary uh, Torres involved in uh, the leadership. Um, it, it's not enough to just say, okay, um, you know, I had some great ideas and I passed them over the last, especially the last four years. But she really didn't have all the support of the Republicans. And I'll just say she didn't have support of a lot of local Republicans, only because of the fact that uh, they just, they seem to shun her. So maybe she could just take a step back and then try to help lead the party at this time. She's a former National Committee woman of Guam, for crying out loud. And giving her the respect that she deserves, giving her the, the ability to lead, I think will be great for both the party, both for her and for the community and for her as a whole. I, I think that she has great ideas. Um, not, 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 a, not a big fan of uh, watching uh, those court clearances go away because that actually impacted ju- the judiciary in, in more ways than she could ever imagine. But I really think that we, we got to see her take that bold step forward. She is the senior member of the current um, group. I mean, even if you add Joanne Brown and her, her time served and Frank Jr. and, and Tony Atta, and Chris Duenas, I mean, these guys are in, these are former uh, former uh, policymakers, but she really is and needs to be that leader. And I'm hoping as uh, as we start to look at this uh, podcast as it's going down the road, and we start to explore the role of Mary Torres in this, I'm hoping people will will, will kind of uh, kind of start to kind of listen and watch what happens, watch how she leads. Hopefully, she is given that role. Um, Yes, James Moylan uh, was out in front. Yes, he was the big uh, garbage can top, you know, banging guy, always trying to be that antagonist. But I, I think when Adelope looks over at the across the aisle, they're not looking at James Moylan as that kind of a transformational type of leader that's going to help push public policy, especially in the face of a pandemic. Giving it to a person like Mary Torres uh, might be a kind of a, a political gamble. I know there's a lot of egos in that on the other side too. There's no question about that. But it just makes some sense. Give her a chance to lead. Give Mary Torres that, uh, that, that chance. And obviously, if she doesn't do well, then I think people will know what to do when that time comes. But she's got to be able to uh, have the public policy come forward. And she's got to own some of this, and especially when they don't vote the way that you know, the party should. She really is a natural fit today. Um, I think Adelope will listen to Mary, but they definitely will get irritated listening to um, James Moyland. I'm not saying that James Moyland is bad. I just think that there's a chance now to kind of change the trajectory. James Moyland has got plenty of years to go. I mean, I can, we can all can expect him to see him in the legislature down the road for a long time to come. But uh, it's important now for the way things are going that Mary Torres really has to be the, the next uh, that change. And, and that's what we have to see in that branch of government are these change agents. You know, we, we just came off a cycle that was just filled with folks who really didn't have a clue about what the Guam legislature did. And I, I'm not going to lie to you, I was one of those guys watching and listening to all of them. Um, you know, you got to love YouTube. Um, but I was listening to some of what their policy considerations were, and none of it, honest to God, none of it had to do with what the legislature does. So we have 15 people, 15 people that we believe really could, uh, could turn this around and we got to encourage them to do so. 
Okay, well, more. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll, we'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. Okay, let me uh, wrap it all up with my kind of uh, thought uh, to kind of leave you with. And um, don't forget to uh, subscribe if you like what you're listening to. Subscribe. And, you know, I kind of think about this podcast as I'm driving from one end of the island to the other. And I'm trying to make it in a time that will may, maybe will fit that time. So hoping you will listen to me uh, each and every week and, and uh, can be a part of it. But uh, let me just leave you with this. You know, the leadership of the Guam legislature is going to be critical in 2021. Uh, no question about that. We as a community have got to elect, a, elect folks like them um, who will be looking out for our better interest in this post-COVID pandemic type of action. I shouldn't say post-pandemic. I should say in this pandemic, we need to have officials who we know or we would think will have our backs. Okay. And so when we think about this Guam legislature, I want you all to watch a little bit more closely over the cycle. I I, I, I want to, you know, your comments on it. I'd be happy to listen to them, see if we can talk about them some more on this podcast. We got to watch what they do. And we got to encourage them to keep us front and center, whether it's uh, small businesses who, by the way, are the engine of this economy and have been decimated by the pandemic, or at least in the decision-making. We got to take care of our manamko, the, the the older folks in our families. Give them the ability to continue to live their golden years and do so without having to worry about crazy things. And then we got to look about look out uh, for our young folks because they're watching all this and they think their best example of l- older folks is stuff like what's happened, what happens at the legislature. So they just got to do their jobs. They got to do a better job of that, and we got to continue to encourage that. Um, especially watch closely the budget and how they manage money. Because I tell you, they don't think they have an idea at times that, you know, first off, it's not their money. It's people, the people's money. It's our, it's all of us contributing. They got to do a better job of that. And they also have to do a better job of continuing to watch out for the best interests of all the people of Guam. I know I will be. And I know that this podcast is going to take that time to do so. And it kind of is my little sounding board. Um, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, what could be um, uh, more of these down the road and and more of these on these on this particular issue of policy making. Um, I, I really think that as a community, if we don't do that, well, you can expect much of the same. You'll be let down, you'll be still hurting, and you'll be wondering, well, why did I ma- even make that vote? And hopefully uh, that that number, that that whole 52% that we saw isn't a bunch of apathy, you know. Hopefully it is fear of the pandemic. But we hope that people will be more involved in that process as all Americans are in this important right to vote. And it's important that we continue to try to foster that want to exercise this important right Um and then uh, kind of move our, our whole, not, our, not, not just our American community forward, uh, but America in general forward as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.
That's It, That's All podcast is produced by Sean Gamatato. Executive producer is Trisha Gamatato. Hit the subscribe or follow button and leave a review. Thanks for listening. Thank you.